HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. This is Sam Ben Ruby from The Great Nation. We had an opportunity to go down to the Naples Winter Wine Festival and talk to a bunch of different winemakers. This interview is with Olivier Krug from Krug Champagne. Welcome to The Great Nation, your weekly wine journey on the Heritage Radio Network. We are at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, benefiting the Naples Children and Education Foundation. Our guest is Olivier Krug, Director de la Maison Krug, and part of the Krug Tasting Committee. True? Absolutely. Um, welcome to the Grape Nation, Olivier. Hello, Sam. Bonjour. It's great to have you here. We, it's Friday. It's really the first day of the, um, of the uh, festival. And everyone's gearing up for vintner dinners and the auction tomorrow. So I, I'm lucky to have the good fortune to sit down and talk to you. And I want to thank you, too, for bringing three bottles of Krug. You're welcome. Unsolicited. So we're going to talk about that, too. But I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what brings you to the Naples Festival? What brings me to the Naples Festival yeah, why is, are you here? is a friendship with the members of the festival. Right. And I fell in love. I should say that I almost fell in tears when they told me this beautiful story and the relationship to help the children. And I felt that the house of Krug had to be part of it as Very one nice. of the greatest uh, houses in the world. Very nice. Um, so you've been the house director of Krug for almost a decade, right? Yes. But obviously it's a family business. Tell our listeners what you are doing there. You know, what does Olivier do every day? I mean, what's your responsibilities? What do you, what do you stay up at night thinking about? 
I, I do a lot of, um, of things, obviously, but I have two main hats. The first one is, as you said, is to be a member of the testing committee. Right. Despite I am not a winemaker as such. Um, we have a wonderful winemaking team, as you can guess, led by Eric Lebel. He's our chef de cave, uh, the, the head winemaker. He's working very closely to Julie Caville, a young uh, woman that might take over one day. And we have three other people, um, two of them in their mid-twenties. So we have a very young team with lots of women. We have seniority, nice to hear innocence. That. And this is a winemaking team. So that team meets every morning to test the steel wines and eventually at the end of the process in March, decide of the next edition of Grand Cuvée. I am part of that team, despite, once again, I'm not a winemaker. But, but I, those are the experts. You're the continuity and you're we the are, root of that we all. We are all a chapter of continuity, some of them with three or five years experience and some of us with 30 years experience. But it's true that I am the most senior member of this committee since I started when my grandfather was still part of it. So this is one hat. And my other hat is the most official of all the hats. This is Olivier traveling all around the world. You can follow the hashtag Crook Journey and you will find me and all Let's other crew lovers. K-R-U-G-O-L-I or? Uh, uh, the hashtag is Crook Journey, like the okay. journey of Krug uh, right, around right, right. the world. And um, and uh, my job is to meet uh, Krug lovers, to tell uh, the Krug story, to listen to their stories. Hopefully, um, um, the day I retired, uh, I will uh, be able to write a book, I should say several books, of all those stories I heard from Krug lovers. And I love listening to people telling me spontaneously every day their first time with Krug. There is not a day, a single day in my life without meeting people who say, hey, Olivier, let me tell you who introduced me to Krug what I felt like I, the day I had Krug for the first time. Um, you, when you started in the business, you were shipped out to Japan. Yes. Which is an interesting thing. Um, your job was to introduce the Japanese market to Krug Champagne. Yes. And tell that story, because the end result is, is amazing. It's an important market. I suspect that my dad sent me to Japan because Japan was a very small market then. And he, he, he thought that I would do a lot of mistakes and that I could do mistakes in a small market. Right. So he and was somewhat protective. He wanted to put you, he didn't want to put you in yes, over your and head. And the biggest mistake I did was that I, I did not control the number of Krug lovers that grew in Japan. And Japan eventually became the biggest Krug market in the world. So give me some context. I mean, other champagne houses were already there or they really had not gone no, into the market? In the, in the early 90s, it was a very, very small market. Japanese knew two or three uh, big names, the big names you know. Right. They were a bit intimidated by champagne, as the Americans are still. You know, champagne was limited to celebration, wedding, birthday, Christmas. 25 years later, you find champagne on all the wine list. Champagne goes with... It's a sommelier with, favorite. It's a sommelier favorite in Japan, especially. It goes with all kinds of food. Great. It's wonderful. People can have a, a glass of champagne in the afternoon. It's a wonderful benchmark market for champagne. So 
that's a good segue because sitting in front of us are three bottles of Krug. And while I'm setting up my next question, why don't you pop that bottle and uh, we'll have a couple of sips while we're talking. I can. So was Japan ripe? I, I mean, there was a luxury market there or an interest in luxury products. You know, there was a, 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 an awareness or you really broke, you know, champagne and Krug into the market. There was very little awareness, but um, we have a, a strength with Krug as a, for any champagne or wine. The best selling point is what you feel when you taste. Right. And we have um, a champagne that is actually very easy to test. You don't need to be an expert. Despite, if I may say, despite... The whole brand, the whole range, the, the whole, most expensive... The whole offer okay. of, of Krug. Despite, so that's a compliment. If I, might, if I might say, despite Krug is one of the best wines in the world, one should not be intimidated by Krug. I like to Good advice. I like to quote my, um, my little daughter, Blanche, um, when she was eight. She was in my car and suddenly... Um, um, the radio played a beautiful classical music. And she asked me, said, Dad, what is this music? And I said, why are you asking, darling? And she said, because I can hear all the instruments playing. Ah. And this is exactly what people get when they have their first sip of Krug. All you, the elements of I, if what's I, in the if glass. If I serve you Krug in the right condition, which means not too cold, in a proper glass, of course, never ever in a narrow flute that will not no release the aroma. No more flute. I, I so you heard it from Olivier Krug. No more flutes. Get rid of them. Use a white wine glass, no right? No more flutes. A white wine glass that will allow the aromas to be released and, right. and enjoyed. The wide. If, so coming back to my story, if you are served Krug in the right condition, you absolutely don't need to be an expert to realize what you have in your glass. You don't need to be an expert to hear all the instruments playing. And you know why? Because that was the dream of my great, great great-grandfather, Joseph Krug. When he started Krug, he started Krug as a dream. This is not my word. This is, these are the words from his wife. We have a letter from his wife asking, asking him not to fund Krug. Say, my dear husband, we are far too old. You are 42. You have a good <laughs> job. Don't leave your job for a dream. Don't let me down and our baby for a dream. Thanks God, Joseph didn't listen <laughs> to his wife. And that he started Krug, and here we are. What you will have in your glass in a few seconds is the 165th edition of Grand Cuvée, which means this is the 165th time in a row that we have recreated the dream of Joseph Krug. Now, our listeners are not experts, so it doesn't mean 165 consecutive years. It means 165... It means Vint it, it's the 165th no, vintage. No, it or am mean, I wrong? It means 165 year in a row. In a row. Which means that, Pretty Krug, good run. that Krug is the only champagne house that has been able to create a prestige cuvee, whatever the vintage. And that was a dream of Joseph. He said, I don't want to rely on years. I don't want to rely on the climate because I will never have the same. Even if by chance I have two or three good years in a row, I will not have the same. So I'm going to create a type of champagne that doesn't exist, a champagne that will offer every single year the best possible quality. And here we are. Let me pop this bottle in front Go of ahead. my mic. We want to hear it. There you go. Um, so 
it seems obvious to me, maybe I'm wrong, in order to put a champagne out every year, depending on the weather, the vintage, the yields and all of that, you have to do what will yield the best champagne. So does every year vary? I mean, it's, it's not a house style. It's more of the best grapes, the best blend. Is that true? Every year varies a lot. So every year we have to start from scratch. But we are following the um, instruction that Joseph gave us. Joseph, in 18... He left you a book, right? Exactly. In 1848, he left a book that was five years after he started Krug. And the first sentence of his book says very clearly, one cannot obtain a good wine without using good elements from good origin. No good wine without good elements from good origin. He was obsessed by quality, obsessed by detail. He even said, sometimes you might come close to a good wine despite you kept few ingredients of lesser quality. But one should never rely on that, otherwise you will miss your operation and lose your reputation. And he stuck to that. And we stuck to that. 165 times. Mm. Nice. Um, so let's pour this out and tell me a little about this. We did pour it out, I'm sorry. Um, tell me what we're drinking. So we're drinking the Krug Grand Cuvée 165. Yes, edition. Um, it's, it's a straw yellow. Tell it me is. about the blend. It is. The blend is... Um, is I will not tell you about the blend because I'm very... You can't, okay. I'm, no, I can. Of course I can. But I will not tell you about the blend because we have something on each of our bottles you. that will give you the information. On the back of this bottle, you is. have a little number, which is called the Krug ID. The Krug ID is the story of your champagne. If you go to the Krug.com or if you download the Krug app, which, by the way, is the only thing free we have at Krug. That's it. <laughs> so you can download heavily. If you download the Krug app, if you enter this little number, you will get the full story of your bottle because every year is different. Right. Every year, the percentage of grapes will vary. The percentage of older wines will vary. The, the origin of the wines will vary. So every edition point. of Krug is a new creation. When did you start doing that? We, we started doing that 165 years ago. No, you, but, you couldn't go online 163 we, years we, ago. We, I'm we, talking about going we, online we started, for the info. We, we started to have the Krug ID. Uh, we started to have the Krug ID. Uh, five or six years ago. Because it's a very and, cool, hip idea. And the, the, the Krug lovers and the top sums, they love it. They like to play now with different Grand Cuvées because they know that when two bottles are different, it's, because, it's not because we may have a stop and go in our quality process. It's because they were probably born under a right. different sky. Right. Let's take a sip. Cheers. Guys, Sant why don't you take some Santé. Too? Santé. You sure? All right, Sante. So uh, a beautiful medium gold, beautiful small bubbles rising graciously. Tell me descriptors on the nose that you get. I leave it to you. I'm not great at this. <laughs> Just have to feel your feeling. It's, it's a very delicate nose. 
I will tell you, uh, I, am, I am very cautious with all the technical words and descriptions. And I believe this is not my job to give the descriptions. Um, and I will tell you what I did last year. I was invited in France to um, a, a great wine festival, equivalent to this one, led by the top, top, top wine experts. And usually when you are um, a producer like me talking to this festival, you come with a chef, with a sommelier, with a winemaker, you, you know, you stay within the industry. And myself, I brought a man, a very famous man called Jean-Philippe Collard. Jean-Philippe Collard is the best uh, classical French pianist. And he came with me. And I had 90, person, 90 people in my room. They all paid a, a ticket very, very high to listen to me. And I came with this artist and said, what's happening to Olivier? I said, if I may, I will ask Jean-Philippe to describe each of the champagne the same way as he did when we first met some years ago. And when we first met some years ago, I asked Jean-Philippe, Jean-Philippe, what do you feel? And Jean-Philippe said, Olivier, I, I feel a lot of things, but I don't know how to talk about it. I said, what do you mean you don't know to talk about it? I said, I feel a lot of things. It's, it's beating within my heart. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just like the first time I heard Mozart. So you, you mean you would compare Crook to music? I said, yes, of course. I, so if that Grand Cuvée was a music, what would that be? And Jean-Philippe started to describe, I remember very well, we had six different champagnes on the table. He took 30 minutes to describe each of the champagne wow. as a music. And for some of them, he explained that the freshness was more like a violin, high notes, while right. the, this one was more into cello because it was coming from a... Um, uh, and then we, we said, yes, you're right, because it's coming from a, a year which was more ripe, etc., etc. And to make a long story short, we decided to jump on this um, outstanding connection between uh, testing and music. Uh, and if you go to the app, when you have this, um, the information coming from the Krug ID, not only you have the technical blend and right. all that stuff, which you expect from a producer, but you have the music pairing recommendation. For, so for each of our champagne, you will see a list of music, which are not my recommendation because I'm not a musician. Right. I'm far too technical. Leave it to the professional. It's, it's, they have been selected by individual musicians depending on their feeling and sensation the day they tested Krug for the first time. So when you go online to the ID, like you said, yes. besides the technical information, yes. you'll get this whole music association. Abs absolutely. So you could sit there and drink the wine, know what you're drinking, the music is paired to it. Absolutely. And uh, it goes virtually with any food. So that's and, and you will see that the tasting perception is enhanced uh, by music. Yes. This, is, this yes. is completely proven. Yes, and, and you know, it sounds like it came from the heart originally. Mm. Um, I think by doing the ID, I think you're validating my next question. And I think there's been an incredible transformation in Champagne in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I think as a champagne house, you know, as prestigious as you guys, you've seen this change in the past 20 years, 10 years. Um, what is it? I mean, do you, do you feel that? I mean, it's not business. You weren't doing online. It's a different market. It's not just celebratory. I mean, have you seen changes? Um, we've seen a, a lot of changes. What I personally love is the fact that the world is starving to learn. 
And there are millions of people who want to learn, who want to know. And they will not go to a wine class spontaneously. They will probably not even go to a top sum because they don't know. So we have are to fight. Are they intimidated too, do you they think, They are intimidated. They don't know. They, you know, I am the dad of uh, post-teenagers. They don't have the time. You know, they surf all well, the time. Well, that's moving into millennials. This that's is, a this different is generation. This millennials. But if you can attract the attention one second, they can go very, very deep. And funny enough, uh, uh, the, the entry level entry level of connection is is, 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 is is much more accessible, but they go far deeper in the connection with, with the house. They want to know everything. And this is why um, the Krug ID, because we are giving absolutely everything. We are talking about um, the service. We mentioned the glasses, but I could mention the, the temperature because a great champagne should not be served too cold. We talk about food pairings, which obviously um, everyone right. are expecting picking with, with a great champagne, music pairings, etc., etc. So one of the ways you were able to bring people in is by doing the ID. Yes. That, that's a change. Yes. Um, how about how you make the wine? You discussed you make it the same way, right? I mean, that, that hasn't changed. No, we, we, we make it the, the same way. Uh, actually, it has changed because we go every day we go more into details. You do. Uh, more and more precise, uh, smaller and smaller. Uh, yeah. I think people forget that champagne is a wine. Mm. The base of champagne mm. is a wine. And you alluded to it earlier that to make a good champagne, you need to make a terrific wine. That was Joseph Krug's first sentence in his diary. So the attention starts out in the field, right? Yes, completely. You know, and your grapes are estate-grown? Uh, our grapes are, are, are estate-grown for one part, and right. they are bought for, from uh, families, or right. from the other part, because one of the specificities of Champagne is that the vineyard is owned and has always been owned by growers. Right. So you have to rely on um, your connection for quality, your connection to growers. I'm and sure you've had long-lasting relationships. Have, we have outstanding relationship. One of the family, we work with them since 1868. Wow. Seven generations on their side. Almost supplying, as long as you guys their have, grapes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you brought up a word that I think goes to my question, which is the transformation has also been the word grower. There are a lot more growers that are releasing their own champagnes. Grower yes, champagne, yeah, yes. you know, is a thing now. I mean, in essence, that's yes. what you did do and are doing, true? Yes. But, you know, sommeliers love to talk about these of small course. parcels. But that's with regular wine, too. Um, do you see the grower champagne movement? Yes, we. I, I, I see it. It's it's a very small. Um, it's a very small movement in terms of bottles because they are very small. Right. There are not many. It makes um, a lot of uh, noise. Uh, good point. Uh, it's more some, noise than substance. Uh, noise in the good, but you know, in a good way because there is a good substance. To right. be to be honest, they, they, some of them do a, a wonderful job. Uh, um, 
but I, I, I mean, I, I share the same, we share the same philosophy because we want to, to make the best from what we, we have. Right. They, they don't have the chance that I have to have a 170 years history, a, a base of supply from 250 plots. You know, a grower owns three, four, five, ten plots in his village. That's In one area, in one, one in, type in, of soil in, in, and in stone one area. and all that. And so they cannot... Um, I mean, they cannot make great champagne if there is not a great year. They cannot right. make it every year, etc., etc. Et, et et but it is a it's a thing right now. It's a thing, and it's very it's very interesting, and I think it's um, it's also um, it might be a challenge for some houses because it will uh, force some of the houses to be more transparent and more because a grower is transparent. You know, you, right. you and 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 you have uh, houses like Krug where you. You talk to Olivier Krug. You talk to um, you talk here in Naples to the guy who uh, next Monday will be in the testing room testing uh, steel wines from 2017 that hopefully will be in your glass in 12 years. When you said earlier you're going to be tasting in February, you said or March? Yes, every day. Yeah. And that's for the current vintage? That will be for the 173rd edition of Grand Cuvée. That will be so there's a 12-year... That will be released. That one will be released in seven, eight years. Okay. So let's just go through the process quickly. People are mm-hmm. interesting. So you pick the grapes. What month of the year? We pick the grapes usually early, mid-September. September. We pick the grapes in the French region called Champagne because there is no Can't other be. wine called Champagne right. uh, elsewhere. So we pick the grapes early September. We press the grapes. 70% of the grapes in, um, in Champagne are red grapes, which means that the skin is, gray, is red, but the juice is, 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 is white. So we have to press very, very gently in order to um, extract the juice, but do not hurt the skin and don't get the color. Right. So we press, we, we ferment this juice. So the fermentation lasts eight, ten days. So this is a transformation of uh, grape juice into steel wine. Then this steel wine has to rest for um, a few weeks in order to, um, to clarify, um, um, especially at Krug, because we use no chemical, no filtration, no centrifugation. So all the clarification is done very by... Very little intervention. Yes, very intervention, very little. Um, um, the clarification is done by gravity. This once this is clear, we do what we call soutirage, the racking. So we separate uh, the, the steel clear wine from uh, the lees, and this is done by purely by gravity. We open the cask and we let the clear the good juice uh, flow, and then we start testing. And we start testing all the individual vinification we had. And while Krug could be made in one vat. If the volume of Krug was made in a, in a big winery, one vat would be enough. At Krug, we have 250 different vinifications. So every year, we will be testing 250 different samples. And all of these samples will be tested twice, which means that we have to test every year 500 samples. And <laughs> we is a testing committee, which I mentioned earlier. Right. So we is between five and seven people. So 500 wines times Five people means we will have something like 2,500 testing notes of the harvest the day we start deciding. So then you start deciding blending and all of that. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, 
fresh and squeaky cheese curds or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satari's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. So you hear a lot with other big champagne houses about a house style. It Mm. seems like every year they try to attain a taste. Mm. It sounds like you do the opposite. Based on the fact that whatever's available that year, all the different vats, the blending and all that. Krug Krug is very much about generosity. And that was a vision of Joseph. He said, I want to be in a position to offer the most generous expression of champagne every single year. So every year, I need to find as many individualities as I can. Whatever that year offers, Whatever not year. what you try to and attain. Since, and since I will not have everything, even in the best year, every year, I need to put aside some of these wines in order to build the equivalent of a library of reserve wines. So at Krug, we rely not only on the richness of the base year, we rely on 150 wines going back as far as 20 years. Right. So if a year, even a beautiful year, gives me a lot of richness, I know I can go back to my reserve to get the finesse, life, the excitement that the base year did not offer, and vice versa. And at Krug, the brief is very simple. We want this champagne to give everything every year. So it is not the best of one year. It is the best of every year. So in this bottle, there are wines from past years in this in this bottle the i know i have to go online the, and put the code in and i'll get the info but. The, in this bottle the youngest the youngest wine is from 2008 which means that despite there is no vintage on the label this bottle is older right. than most That's of the what bottles I was trying to get to. you find on the market right. that's for the um, uh, young uh, youngest wine you have 12 different years the oldest one being from 1990 and in other words, I could tell you it took 25 years to craft this bottle of Cru Grand Cuvée, 165th edition. Right. Um, the current vintages, not the current, the past half dozen vintages, has the weather been good to you? Have some years been more trying than, the, than um, others? or The weather has been... Uh, Good, but very challenging, very challenging. Uh, climate is changing for sure. Right. Uh, we have uh, earlier bird breaks, and this is a, a big issue in Champagne because spring is coming earlier, two or three weeks earlier, which means that the, the first so leaf... So climate change is real. It's uh, at least out um, in the vineyards. What, that's what I think. Uh, I mean, tangibly, the buds are breaking earlier. The, bro- the buds are breaking, are, are year breaking year earlier, out. which is a big risk for us because since we have these little tender leaves very early, there is a risk of frost. 
because ah, because in the past the buds were closed, right? so there is there is a lo- uh, big risk to lose the crop because of frost. We have more and more um, uh, storms. I mean, 2017 was the driest spring in France in history. Why 2016 we saw um, um, a flood in Paris in June? Crazy one year so, to another. So from one year to another, we had the two extremes, and the, the, the climate is completely, uh, completely uh, crazy, and this is a big challenge. And at Krug, we have we are delighted to have what I call a competitive advantage, since we go plot by plot, right. so we can take a lot of individual decision. So even when vintage is more challenging than another, we still have this flexibility to find a source uh, right. the very best. Right. That's. It's what makes Krug special, you know, and different. Um, I do a thing called the wine list. I ask my guests a bunch of questions, and I'm very interested in uh, asking you a few questions because I know, like you said, you're all over the world. So it's usually four or five questions. The first question is, what are you drinking now? Not right now, but... A lot of times you get caught up on a certain wine or champagne. So what are you drinking Krug-wise? Are you tasting older vintages, newer vintages? And non-champagne, what do you drink? I am drinking uh, Krug-wise. I am drinking uh, more and more often older Grand Cuvée. Okay. Because very few people know the aging potential of Grand Cuvée. But Grand Cuvée is a prestige champagne. And a prestige champagne, in my opinion, is a champagne that can improve with age. Here we have the 165th edition, which is delicious, as you said, but it is the youngest Krug on the market. And I know that some people will put aside some of this 165th edition because they know the aging potential. And in two or three years, that will be marvelous. Right. And in 10 years, that will be a treasure. So you're tasting so, some older So I love, I love to, to taste how... some older Grand Cuvée. And going back to the um, um, other, um, other wines, I, I am very open-minded. I love other wines. I love other wines when um, uh, the winemaker disappears from what I taste. So I want to to, to to test the terroir, to test the, the soil. And uh, recently I enjoyed um, 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 a few days in, uh, in the Willamette Valley in Oregon discovering the... Making the, some nice Pinots, dis- right? Discovering the Pinot Noir. And I will Did be, you enjoy them? I will be in Alsace in France in two weeks. And that's, um, that's a hobby indeed. Some great wines in the Alsace. All right, tell me Olivier Krug's favorite champagne and food pairing. You have to have something that you eat. My, my very simple uh, champagne and food pairing is when I have champagne as an aperitif, very simply with a 24, 36 months old Parmigiano. This is very really? simple. I thought you were going to say and, Comte. And, and this, is, this, is, this is fantastic. That's a good one um, because of the sharpness of the cheese and the acidity. But I could mention my guilty pleasure, which, which is um, um, a juicy burger with Krug Rosé. Don't quote me. Well, I, we said it earlier, and I think you're validating it again. I think champagne goes with everything. Yes. I think people don't think of that. I still think, you know, in the U.S., it's still a celebratory thing. It goes great with a juicy burger. It goes great with fried chicken. It goes great with pizza, popcorn. Um, now, when I, now when I go out to dinner, instead of bringing a white wine and a red, I bring a champagne and a red, and it's just way more interesting. That's a very good move, Sam. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite all-time Krug? 
Is there just something that, you know, because you've had access to everything that just to this day knocks your socks off? I had the chance uh, two years ago to test a bottle of 1915. 1915. 1915 from our cellar. Um, at first, I was overcome by emotion because it's a, it's a champagne which has been blended by my great-grandmother under the bombs Very during, during, during the First World War. Her husband was a prisoner of war in Germany. She had to deal with the harvest, the best harvest in 10 years, and she made a vintage. And we kept only four bottles. Oh. And we sold, we sold one of these bottles uh, to an auction for which we gave the money to a charity. It's a charity which is in my city, in Reims. It is a hospital, a children's hospital. So there is a nice coincidence for being here That's today. That's a great story. It's a children's hospital, but it's not only a children's hospital. It is a memorial, because it is called the American Memorial Hospital. It is a memorial which has been offered by people from your country to my city after the First World War as a memory of your children, your boys, who died in my country for the world freedom. And um, I take this occasion to tell you how much we love uh, America in France. That is a great story um, with a great wine. Um, I'm going to force you to open one more bottle because our friend Laura Catena walked in and I don't think I could give her an empty glass of wine. So would you open one more we'll taste it and I have a couple more questions for you I think what Laura will, will love will be the 2004 vintage because I know she hasn't tested it yet okay. um, she follows me on social media okay. she's, um, she's seen dozens of bottles I've been opening recently because we've just released this 2004 vintage what she knows is that it was a, an outstanding uh, harvest a type of champagne that we love because it's a champagne that we harvested at the end of September. And sometimes at the end of September, it's almost already winter, but sometimes right. we have those beautiful Indian, Indian summer. Summers. And this is when I believe the champagne are among the, the best champagne you can make because you get a lot of sun, so you get the optimum maturation, yet it's not too hot, so you keep the freshness. So in this 2004 vintage, you will have the ultimate balance between richness, uh, fruit. Uh, it's a champagne that sings a lot with a very, very um, um, long um, vibrancy. Very nice. I know Laura will love it. So can we taste it? <laughs> can we pop it open? Yes, we can. All right. You grab that bottle. Now... Now, Olivier, do you have favorite restaurants or wine bars? Do you have any in the States, yeah, any in France? There, there is the, yes, my, um, my... People that do wine and champagne well. My favorite restaurant is, uh, my favorite restaurant is in Reims, uh, in the suburb of Reims. It's a restaurant called Assiette, like plate, Assiette Champenoise, a chef whose name is Arnaud Allemand. He is um, 40, early 40s, very young. He already has three-star Michelin. And not only it's my favorite restaurant, but it's probably one of the best restaurants in the world where everything he cooks has been created to match a great uh, champagne. So if you are champagne lovers listening to me, you have to go to L'Assiette Champenoise okay. and have a full uh, crook journey with different cuvées and the beautiful food from Arnaud Lallemand. Um, that sounds like a good one because a little birdie told me, somebody pretty famous in the champagne world, and he wasn't being negative. 
you know, I said, God, the food in Champagne must be amazing. And he said, you'd be surprised. You know, there are a lot of great restaurants, but it's not like going into Burgundy or Paris. So when you point out a restaurant like that, I'm sure that and others, but do you agree with them? I mean, is it hard to find? No, I think there is beautiful food in Champagne. There are not as many bistro or small restaurants as you have in, a, in Burgundy, but Champagne is a region where I invite you to visit, um, especially since you have the train, the TGV from Paris. So in 40 minutes, you move from Paris to Champagne. No one knows that. It's very close. Right. It's a fantastic uh, city. You can visit the cathedral, lots of history and, and very nice people such as me. So put champagne on your travel list. Um, Olivier, we're going to wrap up. But before we wrap up, we're going to taste. Tell me what we're drinking. We are tasting 2004 vintage. 2004. Which is a, a champagne that tells the circumstances of this beautiful late summer harvest of right. 2004. Okay. And we're going to uh, do a little assessment. And we're going to ask Laura to chime in. So the color, again, is a beautiful, medium, deep yellow. Um, some nice bubbles, small, beautiful bubbles. Did you notice, Sam, when Olivier opened the, the bottle that you didn't hear anything? No, and it didn't shoot but across the room that, here. That's the correct way, Well, right? I, Olivier, what yes, do you think is, about yes, that? Yes, it is. I think Olivier knows what to do. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's taste this. Let's taste this. Okay. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Mm, there's, a, there's definitely a richness to it. Not that the other one lacks, because they're too wonderful. But from the age, you definitely... And you see this, um, this champagne is not served too cold. It's no, for, for I, some... For I, some I, my, my preference is you know, closer to room temperature, because so it, it opens up a lot more. Um, so this is the 2004 um, Krug. All right, Olivier, wh where where are you going to be the next few months? You're bouncing around the world. You're doing your tasting. You're I will continuing be, your ambassadorship. I, I, am, I am on the road. I will be in the French Alps next uh, Tuesday. You said Alsace, for, did you say? Uh, Alsace will be private for one weekend. Okay. I'm, I'm going to uh, to Japan, to Korea, to Australia. I'm going uh, coming again to the U.S. because um, this is where I come the most, actually. Um, there is a huge uh, potential uh, for, for Krug in the U.S. More and more people, thanks to this digi so still a growing digi market. digital opening, it's a very, very, very growing market for, for us and probably uh, the biggest uh, potential market uh, one day. You know, I meant to ask you when we were talking about Japan, China is such a force in the world now, you know, economically and in the the wine world, is that a potential market for Krug or they're not there yet? Uh, not that yet for Krug, but it was our decision because we want to reach a market when we feel the market is organized in terms of distribution. If you don't know Krug, we want you to discover Krug through um, people who've been trained top sommelier, top retailers, etc. So it's a process. And, uh, for us, there is a, there is a process to help you to have the proper connection. So when you're ready. So the market is not right. yet ready, while in the US, uh, and I, I, I salute them here, uh, you have um, the best uh, top uh, master sommelier in the world. There are plenty in Naples today, and you are spoiled. And I think people should be aware that they have this great sommelier. And, uh, of course, they are great help to... to 
we have a lot Talks. of sommeliers on this show, mm. and I think one of the occurring, reoccurring themes is champagne. You know, when you ask, I ask you about restaurants, when you ask them, they always bring up restaurants that have large champagne selections. Yes. Danny Meyer has a bunch of restaurants, Marta, Melino, Vini Frite, and everyone else is upping their uh, champagne list. And like Riesling, it's a it's a sommelier favorite. Yes. So I think the prospects are good, and you have some very good cheerleaders, you know, that are passionate about it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on The Grape Nation. Um, I want to thank you even more for bringing in these delicious wines. It's truly a treat. I don't get a chance every day to sit with Olivier Krug and then get crashed by Laura Catena and mm-hmm. drink 2004 champagnes. So that was wonderful. Um, Olivier, if people want to, not that Krug is, you know, it's truly one of the great modern luxury band, brands, but if people want to find out more, there's the Krug website, right? There's a very good Krug website, yes. And that'll show you restaurants and Every, about the wines. Everything, and everything okay. you, you need to know. And if we want to follow you, Olivier, are you on social media? If you want to follow me, you need to have very good health. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, what about Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, you can you can follow me on some social media. Okay, uh, give ins- me ins- a... Instagram. Yes. What's your Instagram? My personal Instagram is Krug Oli. Okay, that's. But the you one can I... follow Krug Champagne, where okay. you have also beautiful uh, journeys and memories of Krug. Right. So and that... Krug and Krug on Facebook. Great. All right. Thank you, Olivier. Thank you for coming on the Grape Nation. Um, thank you for all your time and work at the Naples Wine Festival. It's terrific. And I hope to see you again in the States. We'll see you very soon. Thank you very much, uh, Sam. And we are very, very proud and happy to, to help the kids. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 